After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Those words have a very definite meaning. They can be weighed. They can be measured. They can be understood. And yet in, in so many different contexts, they can mean so much. They can mean so many different things to, to different people in different situations. It is finished. Spoken to a new mother with that one final push as that last contraction waves over her, a new life enters the room. It is finished as a nurse makes one last attempt to find a pulse when breathing has stopped. It is finished as a homeowner writes that last mortgage check. It is finished as a spouse packs up belongings in a box and walks out. So many different situations. Everything from infinite joy to infinite sorrow, and those three words can define either. The difference is in the heart of the speaker. What is the speaker trying to say? But equally as important is what is the hearer able to hear? Because if we don't understand the speaker's heart, if we're not in a place to hear what's being said in those words, they lose their meaning, they lose their power, and in the case of Jesus' words, they lose their hope. It is finished. I don't think that in all creation, three more important words have ever been spoken. There is a promise here for you, and I want to make sure that you know what that promise is. And to know that, first of all, we have to know the heart of the one speaking those words. It is finished. We have to look at what those words meant to Jesus. And what we see is that for Jesus, those words meant that he had completed everything that he came to do. We spent the last month and a half or so looking at Jesus' final statements on the cross, what we've called seven famous last words. And and what we've seen are, are little phrases that Jesus spoke there on the cross that define his work, define his ministry, and display his heart from those first words spoken on the cross to those that were crucifying him, those that were nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We see his heart of forgiveness for for even those worst of sinners. His words to the thief hanging next to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Shows his desire to open up heaven to everyone, even those that might find themselves to be or think of themselves to be undeserving. Those words to his friend John and to his mother Mary, dear woman, behold your son and behold your mother. Those words remind us that the cross redefines our relationship. Suddenly we're related to each other. Suddenly we're family. Suddenly we have responsibilities to one another. The cross binds us together. In in every way, 
these words that Jesus spoke from the cross not only point to the horror of what he was going through, but to the gift that he gives us all. And so we come to these final words. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. And it's, it's such a particular phrase. When Jesus says those words, he means it is done perfectly. It is completely done, and it doesn't have to be done again. Everything we need from forgiveness to family, from purpose to paradise, is found in the cross. And it's there, it's even there in that cry uh, that Jesus makes from the cross, that cry of loneliness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in eternity, there was a very real separation between the Father and the Son. Jesus took that loneliness for us. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul describes that moment by saying, but God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hear those words from Paul. Listen to what Paul says. While we were still sinners. And now listen to Jesus' words. It is finished. While we were still sinners, it is finished. From Jesus' perspective, those words meant he didn't have to suffer anymore. He didn't have to be separated from the Father ever again. And our debt was paid in full. While we were still sinners, while we couldn't help ourselves, it is finished. Hear those words. Hear them from Jesus' heart. Hear them out of the pain of the cross and into the promise of eternity. And hear them for what they mean to us. Because to us, they remind us that we find our greatest need, our greatest needs met in the cross. I think, I think our problem with understanding Jesus' words is there are so few things that we do that are ever really finished. We don't really finish anything. We, we, we say we do, but we don't. Some of you are involved right now in building a home. And, and people have been asking, when's it going to be done? Right? Right? And, and you know, they're anticipating, and they're waiting, and they're eager, and, and they're waiting, and, and there will come a day when it is finished. Someday. And then a couple, three weeks later, a couple of months later, you'll notice a nail pop. I mean, unless you're doing it right. You'll notice a nail pop. Or you'll notice some little problem that you didn't realize was there, and you'll have to patch something. Some point later, you'll say, oh, I'm tired of this paint. I've got to repaint. Some point later, you may decide to remodel something, or maybe add on something, or do something a little different. It's never really finished. I learned a long time ago, never ask a farmer, well, are you done yet? Because long before they're done with the harvest, they're already thinking about next year, right? So you don't ask a farmer if they're done. I, I was told that a long time ago. And how many times have we seen someone who retires, and they say, it is finished, and then they get bored, or Retirement doesn't go as far as they thought it was going to go. 
And the next thing you know, instead of it is finished, they're saying, welcome to Walmart. Have a good time. You want a sticker? We don't have the perspective on eternal completion that is necessary to understand what Jesus is saying here. And there's so many times when when we just need to bring ourselves back to Jesus' words here, and we need to apply them over and over again. There's times when, when we just don't feel good enough, right? There's, there's times when we don't feel good enough, and we have to stop and say, does God really love me? Well, the answer's right there. It is finished. God loves you as much today as he did right there on the cross. He, he died for you. He gave his son for you. It is, it is finished. But we screw up. Sometimes we screw up big time. Does God still love me? Maybe God's changed his feelings about me now. It's finished. It is finished. There's times when we wonder, well, maybe, maybe I've got to do something else. Maybe I need to do something to prove myself to God, to, to prove that I love him. It is finished. There's times when we hurt others. And we think, well, maybe, maybe I need to do something else to be forgiven. It is finished. There's times when others hurt us. And, and we wonder if we should forgive them, if, if we should uh, just wipe the slate clean. Well, it is finished. It is done. All that we lack, all that we need, all of our pain, all of our guilt are met in those three words. It is finished. It is finished in Christ on the cross. We have a great blessing at our home. Um, the blessing is that my wife loves to cook, and she's good at it. And uh, the other side of that blessing is the rest of us, we like to eat. And we're good at that, too. And uh, so I find it to be kind of a win-win. Everybody wins in this particular blessing that we have. Last Saturday night, um, Trish decided to make brownies. <laughs> I think there was a pan of brown or a brownie mix just waiting to be made and, and so she decided to make brownies and as you know Connor has uh, some unusual ways of communicating some of you are experiencing that right now uh, Connor has some unusual ways of communicating but Trish started making those brownies and you know there's that moment when you can be three rooms away and the smell of baking brownies just kind of wafts in and and you just make your way into the kitchen you know and and I walk into the kitchen, and there's Trish at the stove, and Connor is just right up next to it, just as close as he can get. And Connor was trying to help. And so Connor, Connor hands her a spoon. It's like, you're going to need this. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't need the spoon. Connor hands her a bowl and, and uh, tries to tell her, you know, here's, here's the bowl. And she's like, no, I, I don't need the bowl. And, and then Connor starts signing for her. Connor communicates a lot in sign language. He signs more. Um, he's really aggressive with his more, and then he starts signing please, and this, this is please. If you ever have to say please, this is please. But when Connor says this, it's like this, please, you know, give me my brownies. And, and so he wouldn't leave her, he hands her a napkin and he, you know, a spatula, anything he can. And as cute as that was to watch, can Connor really help make brownies? No. Anything Connor does to help is probably going to slow the process down and, 
hinder them, might even mess them up completely. No amount of hovering, no amount of handing her plates or handing her bowls, no amount of saying please, no matter how hard you say it, is, is going to help the brownies get done any sooner. So let me ask you this. Does, does Jesus need your help saving you? <laughs> There's nothing you can add to the process. There's nothing you can do for Him. There's nothing you can contribute. There's nothing you can give. And it's not a matter of saying please hard enough, louder. It, it's not going to help. And so instead, that night, Trish made the brownies and Gracie and I sat patiently, kind of, uh, and we waited until we heard, they're done, <laughs> it is finished, <laughs> and we went into the kitchen. We came into the kitchen, and there were plates, and there was the brownies, and there was the whipped cream, and there were forks, and we all sat down and enjoyed brownies together for a couple of minutes until they were gone. I'm not sure what's keeping you from experiencing the grace of God in your life. But if I had to guess, if, if you're not experiencing His grace, if I had to guess what's keeping you from experiencing it, it's probably you. Probably your attempt to help Him out. Your attempt to fix things. Your attempt to, to make it better. Someone that you think you have to be. Something you think you have to do. Something you have to make up for. Listen to those words on the cross. It is finished. That's hard for us to grasp. But as difficult as it is for us, we realize that Jesus is speaking to a whole world out there. And as much trouble as we might have understanding what he's saying, there are others who struggle even more. And we need to make sure that, that what we're communicating is, is truly his heart, that we're communicating his heart in these words. We need to let this world know we need to let a broken world know that you can stop trying to fix it yourself. You can stop trying to fix it yourself. It is finished. Three words. Now there are three other words that we are concentrating on this year at Kansas Christian Church. And if you're visiting with us today, you may not be aware of this, but there are three other words that we are concentrating on this year. I'm not sure if you have any idea what those words might be, but they could be. Gather, grow, serve. We think that those three words sum up everything that a church ought to be and everything that a, a church ought to do. We gather, grow, serve. We gather, we come together. We love to gather. We, we love to be together. But as we gather, we grow. We learn more. We do more. We, we love more. We, we try to become more like Jesus. And as we do that, we serve. We give of ourselves. We give to others. We give to our community. We give to our world. We give to our church. Three simple words. They remind us, who we are and, and what we do. We use them to tell others. If someone were to ask you, so what's Kansas Christian Church all about? You could say it's three things. Gather, grow, serve. We think that's important. We think it's important because the world is full of broken people who are trying desperately to fix themselves. And too often, instead of simply welcoming them, welcoming them instead of welcoming them in the simplicity of, of faith, in the simplicity of grace, the church tells them they need to get their act together. We tell them, you've got to get yourself straightened up. Get your act together, clean house, clean yourself up, and then you can come. Then you can come and join us. That's not 
God's message. Jesus did not die on the cross because you can get your act together. He died for us because we're broken. Because we can't fix it. And when he died, he said, it is finished. And all he wants from you is for you to know him, for you to know his love, for you to want him as much as he wants you. John Acuff is a Christian writer and speaker. John Acuff is someone that we really enjoy in our house. We read his book. Trish has been to one of his conferences. We, we really enjoy John Acuff. He's, he's hilarious. A lot of fun. He tells a story about when he was in college and he had to pay a lot of bills. <laughs> and so he took some time and he took a job when he was in college and he worked at a Chuck E. Cheese. You ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese? You kids have been really good. Make your parents take you to Chuck E. Cheese. So Acuff worked at a Chuck E. Cheese and he was in charge of the condiment bar at Chuck E. Cheese. And I don't know if you've been in one of these, but it's a beautiful thing. It is a sight to behold. On one side of the condiment bar was everything you needed to make your own ice cream sundae. I mean, they had caramel, they had fudge, they had nuts, they had sprinkles, they had those maraschino cherries. People put one of those on top, not me. I load my ice cream sundae down with maraschino cherries. And on the other side was everything you need to dress out your hot dog. There was ketchup, there was relish, there was mustard, there was a lot of mustard. And so one day, a little boy approached the condiment bar with his bowl of ice cream, and he didn't realize he was on the wrong side, and before he knew what he was doing, he had put in a great big squirt of yellow mustard into his ice cream bowl. Now, the, the employees saw what happened, and they offered to get him a new bowl. Let's just get you a new bowl. bowl. The kid said, no, I can fix this. I can fix this. And so he took his spoon and his ice cream and his mustard, and he just started stirring it as much as he could. He started stirring it up, and he thought, if I stir it enough, then I won't taste it anymore. If I hide the mustard underneath everything else, it'll be fine. <laughs> it wasn't fine. <laughs> and in the end, all he had was a big bowl of sad yellow mush. We're like that with our lives. There's something in our bowl that we don't like. There's something in our past that we don't like. There's something that we're pretty sure God doesn't like too, and so we, we start stirring it. <laughs> We're going to stir it up, or, or maybe we'll add something else. You know, if I had enough sprinkles, maybe I won't taste the mustard anymore. Well, if I had enough good things, if I start doing good things for people, maybe, maybe I won't feel the bad anymore. Maybe I'll hide it. If I, if I stir enough, maybe it'll hide the taste. It'll hide the disappointment. It'll hide the bitterness. But the reality is our, our bowl is broken. We can't fix it. It's ruined. There's nothing we can do to fix it. And there hangs a Savior. And all he asks is that we look to him, that we trust him, and that we know that in him it is finished. There's a reason we don't celebrate Eastern cemeteries. There's a reason 
we don't come together and mourn a, a dead Savior. There's a reason that we sing He lives. There's a reason that we shout He is risen and we sing in joy because it is finished. The cross couldn't keep Him. The grave couldn't contain Him. And just as important, your sin, your failure, your mistakes, and your pain cannot invalidate what He did for you. It is finished. So whatever you're carrying today, whatever, whatever weighs you down, whatever holds you back, whatever it is that tells you that you're not good enough, whatever it is that tells you that God doesn't want you, hear the message from the cross. It was your death that He died. Hear the message of the empty tomb. You are raised to life. It is finished. So Lana's going to sing a song, lead us in a song. And uh, I want you to hear the message because it's exactly what God wants you to know. It's exactly what Jesus was doing in the cross.